Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Romans 1. Romans 1, I'll read there in just a moment. As we prepare to do that today, we come to a first milestone in our series in the book of Romans. Lord willing, we will finish Romans chapter 1. It's somewhat like mile marker 1. Many of you know about a year ago, I took a hike with a number of people in our church through the Grand Canyon. It was a rim-to-rim hike. We started on the North Rim and went to the South Rim. And as we were hiking one mile in, we were still going downhill, okay? And we had a long way to go downhill to get to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, Our text, what happens here is we're, you could say, a chapter in. We've been going downhill when it comes to humanity and what we have done. And just so you're aware, it's going to keep going downhill. And it's going to go downhill really until chapter 3 when he unfolds to us the beauty of the gospel again. He's hinted at it and caused us to peek across the canyon, you could say, and say, hey, it's coming. But our, our text today reminds us of the mess that humanity is in. And I hope in the midst of this message that I will point you in many ways to our destination, and that des- destination is the gospel. But before we get there, we are going to cross some very precarious spots on the trail. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 is a precarious spot. So would you join me as I read this text of scripture again to us? I read it last week, but uh, today we are going to focus in on verse 24 through 32. But in order to do that, let's begin in verse 18. It says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that he has made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind 
to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Would you join me as I ask the Lord to help us today? Father, Lord, I need you today to open our eyes that we may behold your wondrous word. Lord, help us to see our own error But Father, I ask that you would help us to see that this is what you came to rescue us from. And Father, would you minister grace to this congregation as we investigate these words? Lord, would you use this text in just the proper way this morning? And will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was on July the 21st, 1861, hundreds of residents of Washington went out to a hill near Manassas in their leisure apparel and with picnic baskets in order to watch the first battle of the Civil War. Similarly, some of you may have come today and thought this, Pastor Brian is going to do battle with the LGBTQ plus community, so let's go watch today. What happened to those watching that battle in 1861? Well, interesting enough, they soon found themselves on the battlefield when a southern cavalry swept their hill and overtook them. This passage is not about a specific community. This passage is about all of mankind. This passage is about us. God's wrath is on humanity. This morning we are going to learn a very interesting truth here, and it's this. Our idolatry has led to our immorality. Our idolatry has led to our immorality. You know what? After announcing the gospel, In Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, he gave us kind of a view. Hey, this is where I'm going. I'm going to preach to you the gospel. I'm going to explain it to you. He told us about the gospel, but then he stopped in verse 18. And Paul tells us how God's wrath is on humanity. 
And last week, what we saw was the essence of humanity's sin. And it's this, all of us have rejected and replaced God. We're idolaters. Adam and Eve were, and so are you. This is not talking about ancient Israel who failed. It wasn't simply talking about the Greek polytheist that Paul no doubt ran into on numbers of occasions. But what this text talks about is you and me. God's wrath was on us, and it is on humanity. Yes, God has revealed himself in creation. He's put himself on display so that none of us have any excuse for our own innocence. We knew God, but we didn't honor him as God, nor did we give thanks to him. But what we did was we exchanged the glory of an immortal God for created things. And our text this morning shows us our spiral downward, how our idolatry has led to the moral disintegration of our society. That's why our text opens with the word, therefore. Did you catch that in verse 24? Therefore, because humanity has replaced God for, you could say, themselves and for created things, therefore, what has God done? And in these final words of Romans chapter 1, we're going to see three things. If you're a note taker, here they are. We're going to see, first of all, the tragic progression. Then we are going to see a graphic illustration. And then finally, we are going to see the resultant deterioration. But I hope at the end of this, we will look beyond all this and we will see the message of the gospel that's out to rescue us every day. So let's first look at the tragic progression. And that's this, idolatry, your idolatry leads to immorality. We've all seen kind of chains of events. This past weekend I played a game of dominoes, okay? But of course when you get dominoes out, you can't just play dominoes. You got to start setting them up, and, and, and I was just making little trails, and I was pushing the one and seeing the uh, spiraling effects from adding the dominoes up and the progression that happens once you push the first one down. What happens when man fails to honor God as the creator and to uh, live in submission to him? When you and I got involved and instead of worshiping him, we worshiped ourselves and lived for ourselves, God responds to that rejection that we did toward him. In fact, you'll notice in our text, three different times, it'll say this, God gave them up. What does that mean? Well, when man stiff arms God, God gave them up to their own sin. It's almost like a lot of people have illustrated it this way. It's like a boat that's in a river current and the current's moving very quickly. And when you and I stiff-armed God, God just let go of the boat and said, okay, you want your own way, we'll let you go. But as even some of the commentators said in reference to this God giving us up, this is almost as if God gave them a push. This is what you're going to do? 
This is what you want? Verse 24 shows how our idolatry has led to our immorality. Let me read it to you again. The Bible says, therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So what he's saying here is this, when you and I chose humanity not to honor him and to get involved in idolatry, the chain reaction is this, it led to immorality. Our evil desires would lead to, and the text says, to impurity. Now, what does he mean by that? That word is somewhat of a general word, but it's elaborated in the next phrase of verse 24. He, he allowed the lust of our hearts to go to impurity, but then what happens? To the dishonoring of their what? Their bodies among themselves. They begin to use the bodies that God created and designed to dishonor God through impurity. And what this refers to is it refers to sexual sin. Paul then reiterates how this occurred. How did this all start? Look at verse 25. He says this, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So what did humanity do? Humanity exchanged the truth about God, that God is the creator, that he deserves all of our praise, all of our glory, and instead we rejected it and we replaced the, creature, the creator with his creation. We decided to glory in what he made rather than the maker. And what happens is this, it continues this emphasis, we exchanged that word exchanging shows up as well three times in verse 23, verse 25, and verse 26. We all exchange what was real for something that was fake. And this opened up us to the lust of our hearts, and ultimately it led to our own immorality. I'll say it this way. Theological abandonment leads to moral abandonment. When you start to reject God and who he is, being the, the creator of the universe and honoring him, what that will naturally do is it will begin to break down in your own morals. Idolatry leads to sexual sin. When you and I don't recognize God and look to the true, if, if we don't look to the true lover of our souls, We'll begin to look to the lust of our hearts, and what will begin to show up in our own lives is sexual perversion. It's interesting, if you study the history of humanity, anywhere you see idolatry, what comes really quickly behind it? Immorality. It becomes knocking on the door. I mean, I'm a guy who, uh, I've learned how to spot rainbows really quick, okay? When you see, of course, there's a rainstorm, and the sun starts coming out, I'll say, oh, there's a rainbow. There's going to be one somewhere close. And all you got to do is put your back to the sun and look toward the rain. And then normally, boom, there it is. I've become really adept at it. Hey, there's a rainbow somewhere around here because I think, and then all of a sudden there it is. 
Just like that law of nature, let me tell you this, wherever you find people who are not living for God and for his glory and not living in relationship with him consistently and honoring him as God, very quickly what happens is this, immorality you'll begin to spot in little different ways because we begin to replace the creator of God with his creation. Our world, the world you and I live in, 2022, has failed to recognize God. And where you see that playing uh, playing out, what happens is this, sexual sin abounds. Now, not that the act of sex is wrong. In fact, God designed it. It's good. But it's designed to be done in the proper God-designed way. And when man made the creation king, sex became king. And notice Paul pauses here. And because we're we're dealing with moral sin and the abandonment of the creator, Paul does something interesting here. He pauses here to give one of five doxologies reminding us of the one who truly deserves our praise and who really does deserve to be the good God that we worship. That's why he says at the end of verse 25, he says, rather than the creator, and I've got to stop here and say this, who is blessed forever, amen. He is where we should be feasting. He is where true glory ought to be given. When you and I fail to honor and give thanks to God, okay, even you as, let's say you're a follower of Christ now and you've turned from your sin and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you begin to take steps away from living and honoring and giving thanks to him, it will set you up for immoral sin. That's interesting when Paul writes the Ephesians who were very, they were surrounded by a morally debased society. When he writes to the Ephesians, he tells them because they're believers, he says this, but sexual immorality, this is any type of sex outside of the marriage bond between a man and a woman. He says, but sexual immorality in all impurity or covetousness, let it not even be named among you. Okay, now, sad thing is we, we inter- entertain ourselves with this. And he says, you ought not to let it even be named among you. As is proper among saints, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But it's interesting, he ends the verse by saying this. How does this all happen? But instead, let there be What? Thanksgiving. Did you catch this? One of the reasons all of those things are happening is because you have left what you're supposed to be doing, living in thanksgiving to God and what he's given you and finding your hope and satisfaction in him. 
He says, don't get involved in this. What you should be doing is you should be giving thanks to God. And this is just a reiteration of the fact that the reason the morals of our world are broken down and sometimes our own morals ourselves are broken down is because we have failed to live the way God's designed us to live. You and I were created to live in relationship with God and worship and give thanks to him. Okay. Remind yourself this, that Thanksgiving that's coming up soon is not simply about a turkey, okay? Thanksgiving is really how you're supposed to live your entire life, to always be giving thanks to your creator. That's why you were saved. You were saved to restore you back to how you're supposed to be living in this way. But if you fail to do that and you start worshiping, not him, but all of his Sometimes good things in creation, let me tell you what's coming down the pipe. You're going to be tempted to sexual sin and immorality. And that's what Paul says here. Therefore, because they were, I mean, verse 24, because they did not recognize God as the rightful God, it's led to their moral perversion. So idolatry leads to our immorality. Paul now moves to a very graphic illustration. So let's look at this. The graphic illustration is this, forsaking the natural for the unnatural. Look what it says in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up, there's the phrase again, to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. So here he says again, God gave them up. This time what he gave them up to was For them to just continue to live in their dishonorable passions. And Paul now illustrates how humanity, okay, now catch this. What he's doing is this. He's illustrating how humanity has left the natural, which the natural thing for humanity is this, the worship of God the creator. That's natural. We have left the natural worship of God the creator for what is unnatural, which is this, worship of the creature. And in order to illustrate that truth, Paul uses homosexuality as an example of this departure. So he starts with women, and then he moves to men. And he talks about how women leave their natural relations to men the way he designed it to those things that are contrary to nature. And he begins to put his finger on lesbianism. He then goes and he mentions men. Verse 27, he says this, and likewise, the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Both show, okay, what does homosexuality show? It shows a forsaking of God's natural design Because we know from the beginning, because I read it in Genesis 1, God designed humanity to live in relationship with him, to glorify him, and he designed sex to be between a man and a woman in a monogamous relationship. Read Genesis 1 and 2. In fact, it wasn't just God in Genesis 1, but God, of course, in the New Testament, 
Jesus reiterates this in Matthew chapter 19. He says this, Jesus, he answered them, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Okay, what did God do? God assigned our gender, okay? He made us male and female. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Of course, there's a picture there of the sexual relationship. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So let me explain this to you. What's the point of this passage? What Paul is doing is he's showing you what humanity has done. Humanity has left the worship of the natural worship of God for an unnatural worship of his creature, of his creation. And it's appalling. It's idolatry. So what does he do to illustrate it? He says, what's the most clear way that you're seeing a departure from natural to unnatural? In order to illustrate it, And the audacity that we have to leave a natural worship of God for his creation, he decides to use homosexuality as his illustration. Now, I like how James Edwards, one of the commentators, said it. He he said this, Paul cites homosexuality not because it is a worse sin, but because it exemplifies better than other sins the very nature of sin, which is the perversion of an original good and hence idolatry. So catch this. What we can often do as God, and even God's people, we can think, oh, oh, this is the word. And, and he's not telling you this so that everyone points their finger at one particular sub-community. Yes, it's wrong, but what he does is he says, you're doing this. And my illustration to you is showing you a graphic illustration. In fact, James Edwards goes on and says this, homosexuality is a forsaking of a natural relationship instituted according to the purpose of the creator, heterosexuality, for an unnatural relationship reverses, which reverses the creator's purpose. And of course, in, our, in verse 27, Paul lays out the departure. What happens even with men? Men do this. They, they abandon God's natural plan for men and women. They become consumed in their passion for one another. Then they commit shameless acts. And then what happens according to the verse? It says this, they receive the due penalty now, some people are like, what's the due penalty for this? And some people have tried to say, okay, it's, it's the, the diseases that are the result of this. I would say the due penalty is what the due penalty for all of sin is. It's guilt. It's ultimately future punishment for all of us who have sinned. But even more, you know what one of the worst things about it is? We're missing the true purpose of our lives. You were designed to live in relationship with God and honor him as God. And he designed his creation a certain way. Finally, notice at the end of the verse, verse 27, 
the due penalty for their error. That is an error. That's wrong. That's sin. And it'll destroy us. But don't miss this. When you and I abandon the creator God, it leads to immorality. We begin to shame our bodies. We leave what God naturally prepared for us for the unnatural. And we do this in our own rebellious ways. In fact, all of you in here, it's easy for you and it's easy for me to point at other people and their own sin. What the Bible says is this, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And the sad thing that we often do is we can look at one particular community and say they're sinners when actually what the Bible, they are sinners, but they're just like you. They've replaced the, the immortal God for something that will never satisfy and because they've given themselves into that, they, he's allowed them to go their own way. Just like for you, so many of you, you've gone your own way. And I'll tell you this, when you don't honor God as God and put him in first place, you'll start manifesting a breakdown in your own morals. It may not be homosexuality, it could be heterosexuality outside of God's plan, marriage. It could be pornography, where you are satisfying your lust, where Jesus said this, you've heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It could be even you satisfying your own sexual desires with yourself where he designed it for that to be done in the marriage relationship. He's designed it a particular way. But what we do is we start making ourselves what needs to be worshiped. We see our idolatry in the sexual abandonment and the departure from God in our society. And guess what? The Bible says that the wrath of God is being revealed. And in our society... It will catch all of us. And we see it. We see it played out. So God shows how idolatry leads to immorality. But you know what it also does? It continues to lead to more moral depravity. And that's the last point. We've seen uh, the graphic illustration. Now let's see the resultant deterioration. What happens? Sin to even more sin. Look what it says in verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, here it is again, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Okay, notice the starting point here, verse 28. Mankind didn't see fit to acknowledge God. Okay, do you see where our departure went? Here you and I are supposed to do this. We are supposed to acknowledge God, which means know him in every situation. And when we don't know him properly and give him the glory that we deserve, we don't acknowledge him. What does it lead to? Because they did not acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
You and I are supposed to keep God in the center, but now a third time we find God gave them up, and this time it's to a debased mind. That word debased means unfit, failing the test, disqualified. And notice it begins in your mind. And as you think the wrong things, it leads to your acts. And here we find the longest list of vices in your New Testament. There's 21 listed. It starts with four general ones. Verse 29, he says this, they are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. That leads to five more that people are full of. Look what it says in verse 30. He says this, they are, uh, excuse me, uh, they are filled with all manner, they are gossips, slanderers, or excuse me, oh, this is in the middle of verse 29. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. And then what he does is he lists 12 more in verses 30, or the end of verse 29. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And all of this shows the depth of human depravity. Your idolatry has led to sin spiraling downward. And how does it all culminate? Look what it says in verse 32. Though they know the righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And here it's interesting, the Bible says they are aware of the consequences, but approving They decide to approve those who are continuing to live that way. You know what? It's one thing to be caught in a sin. All of us have experienced that. But it's another when we choose to begin to just give approval to other people who are doing it. We're saying, hey, keep it up. It was a number of weeks ago. I don't know why I was watching. I don't watch a whole lot of local news. But for some reason, I turned on the local news, and I was watching the local news. They were reporting from the Atlanta Pride Parade. Our world that has rejected God and what these newscasters were doing is not only was, is it wrong, we know that, and maybe they weren't even involved in those particular sins, but they are seeking to celebrate it and encourage it and give approval to it. Our world that has rejected God, ultimately, what does it do? It celebrates sin. Isn't it interesting that even those who do this use the word pride? And as you survey that list, let me tell you, It's easy for us to go through that list and focus in on verse 26 and 27. But what is Paul doing here? He's talking about all Gentiles, which is a majority of you in this room. Most of you are Gentiles and not of Jewish descent. And it's easy for you to say, oh, I'm going to point out these people. And that's that's your own sinful pride. Because you know what? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
There is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and come short. And the reason he purposely points out homosexuality is because it illustrates what all of us have done. We have left the natural worship of God for the unnatural worship of creation. So our idolatry has led to our immorality. That's what we've been looking at this morning. That's why God's wrath is on us. Who is guilty? All of us. Paul starts here at the end of chapter one with the Gentiles, you and me. It's interesting, I remember as I was preparing this message, I remembered the interaction that Jesus had on one particular occasion with a group of people who thought certain people were probably worse sinners than them. There was a story of a tragic event in which Pilate had killed numbers of people who were Jews. And there was also an event in which a tower had fallen on a certain amount of people and a lot of the Jews were probably thinking, oh, I know why that tower fell. It's because they are worse sinners than us. How does Jesus respond to the self-righteous people? Listen to what he says in Luke 13. He says, there were some present at that very time who told him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Evidently, there were some Galileans who'd come to Jerusalem at some point, and Pilate killed them. And the blood from their sacrifices evidently got mingled with their own blood. And there were certain Jews who were thinking, oh, these must have been really bad Galileans, that they died with that. And he answered them, this is Jesus, do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? So he stops there, he asks the question, but then he says, no. I tell you that unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18, evidently there were 18 people. Oh, there was 18 to whom the Tower of Siloam fell. So we know in history, I guess, some, at some point a tower in Siloam had fallen on 18 people. And there were probably a lot of talk. I wonder if those 18 people, they were probably some of the worst sinners. Maybe they were doing the wrong thing by the Tower of Siloam, and they were like, Jesus, were they worse? And, and Jesus brings it up and says, and of course, that tower killed them. He says, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? And he says this, no, I tell you that unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Lebanon Baptist Church, we live in a world of sinners, and you are one. And Paul, he is bringing God's wrath, the understanding of God's wrath on all of humanity. And in order to illustrate it, he uses homosexuality, which is leaving the natural for the unnatural. Yes, it's wrong, but he picks that one because he's showing you you're an idolater. And you have lived in sin. And guess what you need, just like every other sinner in this world? You need the gospel. We need the gospel. 
That's why Romans was written, to show you, guess what? We're all sinners, but there is something greater. God created you to live in relationship with him and live your entire life giving thanks to him. I close with this. If our departure began with our not acknowledging God as God, okay, we didn't acknowledge him as God, and because we didn't acknowledge him, we went our own way. So where does it begin? What's the way back? It's where you finally acknowledge God. And how do you get to know God? The Bible says no one has ever seen him. The only, but then it says this, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him fully known. Who is that? It's Jesus. Jesus was God's final word. And he came to this planet and we have to know him. If you are going to be rescued, you have to come to know God. How do I get to know God? You come to know him through his final word, his son. And then you come to know him, and I guarantee most of you in this room, because you come to church here most Sundays, you've acknowledged him as God, and you've submitted to him, and you've made him Lord. But I'll tell you what you still do, because I do, I still live in a moral culture, and my morals are still tempted to go the other way. And it's easy to think, oh, I just need accountability partners. I need to keep telling myself, no, 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 and I won't get involved in it. No. How do you see progress and grow in your understanding of the gospel? You grow in your knowledge of him. And you learn to worship and give yourself to worshiping him because you know what? He is the one who satisfies. Because all this world's going to do, it's going to peddle its own things and say, hey, we... Our world satisfies, sex satisfies this. It will never satisfy. The only thing that will satisfy is this. As I said last week, who am I in heaven but you? And there is no one else that I desire more than you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but you are the strength of my life. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is getting you back to what you were created to do. You were created to live with God and grow in your knowledge of him and live your life for his glory. And whether you're an unbeliever today, you need to meet and acknowledge God for the first time. And if you are a believer today, you need to grow. That's why Peter says at the end of 2 Peter, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in that. That's why you have to grow in the gospel. Not just know the gospel, grow in your knowledge of the gospel. Because you know what? It has benefits all through life. You need the gospel. So don't point your finger at the other people in Romans 1, 18 through 32. Because when you point the finger at the other person, how many are still pointing back at you? There's at least three, okay? And I'll tell you this. And you go to God. What do they need? They need Christ. And I'll tell you, the answer to this world, okay, we often think that the answer to this world is legislation. Legislation is great, and we ought to be people who, who vote and seek that God's uh, righteousness would be, uh, human flourishing is going to happen most helpfully in a nation that acknowledges God. Yes, 
in any place that acknowledges God, but ultimately the answer to every society is not legislation. The answer to every society is the gospel, okay? And so let us be people that live for God in our world and are gracious with God and are, I mean, gracious in showing God to this world, but ultimately realize that the only thing that's going to solve this is we need to be people who live out the gospel and proclaim it and live as lights in this world. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Treasuring Scripture. It's our desire that every Christian treasure God's Word in their heart. To follow our podcast, please hit the subscribe button. If you're interested in learning more about our church, please visit LebanonBaptist.org.